as we have over the past few weeks studied spiritual gifts, we've seen several repeated truths or themes that I want to remind you of as we begin this morning. We've seen that all believers, every Christian, there are no exceptions, have a supernatural spiritual gift that is to be used for the common good, the church. There are a variety of gifts, we also saw, so that like a puzzle, all have something different that when intertwined with the rest of the body, make us complete. They make up a whole. And most importantly, we saw that God the Holy Spirit chooses who gets what gift and subsequently empowers that individual in his or her service. It is not about us. It is not about our talents. It's not about what we have chosen or that we were seen or deemed worthy by God to be given a greater or so-called lesser gift. He chooses by His sovereign will. And all of these facts come together in the illustration of the human body, which we saw last week. One body, many members, all working together just like your members of your physical body. Though before becoming part of the body of Christ, our identity may have been found in our socioeconomic gender or even ethnic realities, now our identity is ultimately found in Jesus Christ, that we were baptized by the Spirit into one singular body, the body of Christ. And that makes our primary identity Christian, born again, believer, however you want to say it. Just as my hand is a hand and my foot is a foot, their identity is ultimately found in the fact that it is my hand, it is my foot. And in the same way, your identity is not ultimately found in the fact that you are a lawyer or a hairdresser or black or white, but that you are Christ's lawyer. Christ's hairdresser, Christ's individual. You are part of His body. And this morning we see Paul continue with this illustration of the human body in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 15 through 20. Would you turn there with me? Our passage this morning is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 15 through 20. There Paul writes to the Corinthians and says, If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. Again, you see Him reiterating, repeating in different ways the exact same themes that we have seen for the past few weeks. And before we get into our outline this morning, I want to first give you a brief overview of this passage, a little different than what I usually do if you've been around. But I want to give you a bird's eye view, cruise through these verses, and then give you our outline. Remember the historical context. The Corinthians are believers who, like all believers, have been given spiritual gifts, every one of them. And unlike believers since that time, some of them had the sign gifts. Tongues, miracles, healings, etc. 
Now, what we know about the Corinthians and why Paul is writing these words to them is because they were abusing the spiritual gifts, getting arrogant on the one hand and envious on the other. And you can see why Paul emphasizes over and over again the principles of variety and perhaps more importantly, God's sovereignty over that variety. So there is no room for pride. There is no room for envy. God chose. And now with the body analogy, he explains the importance of all the members of the body and thus all spiritual gifts. Specifically, all spiritual gifts given to all the individuals within each local church. What Paul is primarily addressing in this passage are the sins of pride and envy. That's important to understand. Some are proud. They are exercising their gifts selfishly for personal gain and reputation. And like with all forms of selfishness for these individuals, it is never enough. They will never be satisfied. They will never be praised enough. They will never have a high enough position within the church Even if they're exalted to the highest position within a local church, then if they're selfish, they'll say, well, this church isn't big enough. I should be on TV. I should be published. I should be all over the news. Selfishness is never satisfied. Others are envious. They see themselves and their gifts as inferior to others. And like all those who are envious, regardless of what they are envious of, They are discontent. For them too, it is never enough, but in a different way than the selfish. They are not content with what God has given them. They are not thankful. And so in verses 15 and 16, you can see how the envious thinking is personified. The foot is envious of the hand and thinks, I'm not even part of the body because I'm so inferior thinks it's not as great or as useful as the hand. The same goes for the ear in comparing itself to the eye in verse 16. But imagine, Paul goes on, if everybody, every body part thought that way, then the logic would eventually lead to the belief that the eye is the only real part of the body, which would make the whole body just an eye. This is what is being said in verse 17. To contrast this absurd thought, Paul once again reminds us in verse 18 of God's perfect and ingenious plan of how he puts together the body of Christ, placing each member, every single one in the body just as he wills. In verse 19, he goes back to rhetorically question that previous picture of just one member making up the body. If they were all one member, where would the body be? We would argue that if you saw a picture of an eye in a science textbook or even a real eye in a science classroom, you wouldn't say, oh, there's a human body. It's just an eye. So there would be no body if everyone thought that they weren't important enough to be part of the body. Then he closes in verse 20 with what he said back in verse 14, which we segued from at the end of last week's message. But now there are many members, but one body. That's the overview. Now let's get into some specifics, some details. 
And as we do that, it is always important to understand the original context, the historical context, we call it. In other words, what was going on that Paul was specifically addressing in this letter to the Corinthians 2,000 years ago, understanding, of course, the church was young, not young in that the members were young. It was young. It was a, the church was a newly created thing. Jesus had just been crucified, buried, and then resurrected and ascended. And we've seen the historical context. They're young. They have the sign gifts. They're abusing them. They're saying, hey, look at me. I'm, I'm going to heal. I'm going to speak in tongues. I'm going to do whatever. But it's not for the engagement of the body of Christ. It's not for the acceleration or the propagation of the gospel. It's just so, hey, look at me. Look how great I am. Look, look how well I preach. Aren't I such a good preacher? Here, let me do it for you again. Uh, don't I, look how perfectly I stacked the rows when I set up. You know, I came in at 5 a.m. this morning. Look at me, look at me, everybody. And so you can see how they're doing what they're supposed to do theoretically, but they're not doing what they're supposed to do because their attitude and their heart is all wrong. So the envy and pride. And so that's the original context, in that they were practicing the abilities given them by God, but their attitude and purpose was all wrong. And though we don't have the sign gifts today, it would have been something to see to do those selfishly. You understand how we could do, in the examples I just gave, things selfishly. We could exercise the gifts that God has given us, the abilities God has given us, these supernatural things just for reputation, even out in the business world, depending on what your spiritual gift is, to just make money for yourself that you in turn perhaps don't give away or give to the church or whatever it may be. It's all wrong. For us today, that is still a possible temptation and practice. But I believe there are principles Paul uses to address this wrong thinking that I want to address our wrong thinking today that may not necessarily be pride and envy, but still is a misuse of our spiritual gifts, which I'm going to include in there not using your gift at all. And so this morning, I want to give you five biblical responses to common reasons for not serving. Five common excuses that Christians give for not serving and their biblical responses from this passage. As we look at these five reasons or excuses for not serving, it's not necessarily a particular type of person who will use a particular excuse. It may be that you're using one or more of these excuses because you truly believe this to be a valid reason. You may even believe your reason so strongly that you would think that it is wrong for you to serve, which, by the way, will never be the case. It may be that you're using one or more of these excuses and you know it's not really valid, but it's truly an excuse to appease your conscience, which is nagging you because your conscience is saying you are wrong, you're being selfish, you're being proud. Or maybe you use one of these excuses to keep people off your back so they'll stop asking you to serve. In other words, there are people who are well-meaning 
in their own walk with God and their prayer life, they truly believe that they should not be serving for whatever reason, whereas there are some who are sinfully choosing not to serve and they're using these excuses as, well, an excuse. Regardless of your heart attitude, regardless of if you are not serving or if you are, these will be helpful because those of us who are serving need to serve more and with a deeper heart of worship, excel still more. And so if excelling still more means serving in a more godly way, in a more fruitful way, in a broader way, in a deeper way, or if excelling still more means start serving and doing something, this is for you. The first common reason for not serving is addressed in verses 15 and 16. It's where we saw the foot say, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body. And Paul says, well, he may say that, he may think that, but it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And that the same thing is said of the ear towards the eye. We understand that every body part that Paul mentions represents a different member of the church in his illustration. A body part of the body of Christ, if you will. Here, the foot, in comparing itself to the hand, says that it's not really part of the body, and again, the ear to the eye in verse 16. Now, we know that clearly they are part of the body. But we also understand that sometimes people don't feel like they're part of the body. Even if what they think doesn't change the fact that they are indeed part of the body. Nothing they say or do makes them any the less part of the body, even an eye that is no longer working is still technically part of the body. So it is with some in the church, and so the first common reason for not serving, I'm not really part of this church. I'm not really part of this church. This person knows theologically that they are part of the body of Christ known as the church, What this is referring to is the feeling of involvement, the feeling of inclusion in the local church. This could be on a social or on a personal level. I'm not really part of the church. Other variations of this may be, well, I'm new here. I'm not a member yet. I don't really know anyone there. I don't feel like I'm really part of the group. I get it. It's easy to feel like you're not really part of the body, the local church. You come in, maybe you've stayed around for a while. There are people who clearly know each other. They're friends. And you maybe don't feel comfortable talking. Maybe you're an introvert. And you just never feel like you really belong. And you know you're part of the church. You're part of the redeemed. You're not denying that. You agree with everything that I've said in this series on spiritual gifts. You just don't think you're quite there yet for this particular church. And so you either don't feel like you need to serve or you want to serve, but you feel like you can't or maybe you shouldn't. The truth of the matter is that you are equipped to serve and you are to serve because you are part of the body. That phrase in both verses 15 and 16, any the less, it is not any the less a part of the body, encourages those who are feeling insecure or inferior with the reminder that they are part of the body, no more, no less. To take it a step further, 
That phrase also reminds us all that we have no right to remove ourselves from our God-given responsibilities just because we feel like we don't fit in. Just like a hand or ear cannot stop functioning because they don't feel welcome or they don't feel like they quite belong yet. Let me reassure you that whether you're new or shy or don't feel like you're really part of the group, the Spirit-affirmed fact of the matter is that you are part of the body and thus are needed, not wanted, needed for not just your presence on Sunday mornings, but for your active service, not just on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week. I'm not really part of the church I don't feel like I'm part of the church. I'm sorry you feel that way. I've felt like that way at churches that I've been a part of. I get it. And the beauty of this is we default not to our feelings, not to even whether the people at the church are welcoming or not, but on the Scriptures and the reality of what God has done in your life by bringing you here in His sovereignty and having empowered you and given you a spiritual gift. Let's move on to number two. In verse 17, we read, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? This verse builds off of the previous picture. And as I said earlier, if you follow the logic, you come to this conclusion. If the ear thinks that it's not part of the body because it's not an eye, then you would be deaf. If the nose said it's not part of the body because it's not an ear, then you'd lose yet another of your five senses. These rhetorical questions lead us to the reality that a body would not be complete if any member thought this way. And this addresses our second common reason for not serving. I'm not needed. I'm not needed. Look around. Everything's being taken care of. I'm not needed. Other variations of this would be, well, I haven't been given any responsibilities in the church. Or, it doesn't make a difference if I serve or not. I served for a little bit and I stopped and things seem to be going the same. Or another variation, and sadly, I don't matter. Maybe not in a uh, self-deprecating way or a, a sad way, but just saying, well, I don't really matter here because they got it covered. I'm not going to make a difference. We've seen that in God's plan upon saving someone, He makes that person so instrumental to the functioning of the church that He gives him a spiritual gift. upon saving someone. He makes that individual so instrumental to the functioning of the church that he gives him or her a spiritual gift. Did you catch that? That's all of us. I did not say when he calls him to be a pastor, sends him to seminary, and gives him the spiritual gift of teaching and preaching. I cannot be the only one that matters. That would make no sense. We would not have a church. In other words, salvation, serving, and spiritual giftedness are all interconnected. They make up who you are as a Christian. And when you say that you're not needed, you have to ask yourself, 
And I'm not trying to be mean because I understand that there are people who aren't serving and, and have these excuses because they really feel this way. But I'm trying to give you a theological truth. If you think you're not needed, you have to ask yourself, did God make a mistake by saving you, giving you a spiritual gift, and putting you in a church where your gift is needed? And here's the thing, and I think you guys understand this by now. It's not that because He has put you here that we need you here, and if you went to another church, you wouldn't be needed. Wherever you go, you are needed because you are a part of the capital B body of Christ that is all Christians everywhere throughout the world. Well, I guess universe now, since we have people in space. You can't say that because you can't lead, you are not a part of the body. Or because you're not a teacher, you're not a part of the body. Because if all were pastors, where would the encouragers be? If all were teachers, where would the musicians be? If all were musicians, where would the people who are praying silently in their privacy of their bedrooms be? The worship service, and again, you understand that service is not just on a Sunday morning, but by way of example, the worship service, what you are part of right now, would only works because there are people praying throughout the week, serving, ushering, folding, stacking, leading, giving, planning. If it's just about me, if you want to broaden that to Lawrence or the people sitting at the table back there, we would not have a church. There would be no church. Or you wouldn't have a pastor because I'd be too exhausted from leading small groups, discipling everyone, ushering, giving rides, dropping off care packages, moving furniture, and teaching the kids that I could not preach a sermon, let alone prepare one. And I hope you caught that those are acts of service. Moving furniture, driving people to the airport, dropping off meals. So fill in the blanks. If the whole were whatever it is that you consider only the necessary gifts, then where would everything else be? They're all necessary. And if each person does not play their appropriate role, then the church will eventually dissolve into nothing, into a non-entity. Not because we're like a building where construction workers need to come and place the bricks and fill in the cement and do all of that kind of stuff. It's because you are the church. So when the bricks don't function as bricks, then the building is not a building. You know, he talks about the eye as an illustration. And the Corinthians would have known this. The eye is extolled in Scripture as an extremely significant and useful organ. Jesus says it's the very light of the body. But what kind of body would it be if it was just a giant eyeball rolling around? This being October, I'd say that's perfect for Halloween, but not much good for anything else. It would literally be a grotesque, freak of nature, useful only for entertaining those who want to point and stare and laugh. And in the same way, if what we claim to be true is indeed true about the church, and it is, then when we don't live out our calling and service, then we too are nothing but a grotesque, failed experiment, useful only for entertaining the heathen who want to point and stare and laugh and said, I told you so. 
we are a failed non-entity. If enough people in the church truly believe they are not necessary, then they are making a powerful argument for the elimination of the body of Christ. On a personal level, you then question God's wisdom and gracious provision by implying that He made a mistake. Made a mistake by saving you and putting you into the body as a necessary and potentially useful member. And at the risk of sounding repetitive, Paul's point is not, as the Corinthians are claiming, one's inferiority to another. His point is that all Christians, all members of the body are needed, otherwise there is something missing. We feel like there's something missing if it's the worship service, the worship is over, everyone's seated, and you're looking around and there's no preacher. But there's something missing, not just if the preacher doesn't show or if the preacher doesn't preach, there's something missing if anyone doesn't serve. So not only is the excuse, I'm not needed, invalid, it's not even valid to claim that you are needed but less so than others. We're all needed. Everyone is needed. That's how God has so composed the body. Verse 18. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desired. This goes back to some of the key points we've seen throughout this study. The main point being that God does as He desires according to His wisdom. And when you combine His sovereignty with His wisdom, you know that He doesn't make mistakes. Not in creation, not in the weather, not in global tragedy or blessing. He doesn't make mistakes. And if that's true of the universe in general, how much more in His beloved, the members of the church? And this addresses the third excuse, I'm not spiritual enough or I'm not mature enough to serve. Other variations may be, I just need to focus on my spiritual growth right now. I just need to work on my walk right now. Sub-variations would be, I need to fix my marriage. My kids need my attention. Look, focusing on your walk with God is a profitable and indispensable pursuit. But by God's design, that works in conjunction with service-saturated involvement in the church body. In fact, a key way in how you work on your spiritual growth is to serve. Spirituality in the Bible is centered around a focus on God and other people. What better way to do that than to serve other people? So when you have an inward focus, even in an attempt to grow in godliness, that attempt will fail because it's all working together. I didn't make that up. That's God's plan. That's how the physical body grows. We all work together, right? It's not just the digestive system as you, your kids eat and grow. It is the hand that feeds, it's the eyes that sees, it's the nose that smells, it's the, for those of you with young kids, the ears that hear mommy say 15 times, it's dinner time, come in. So we need to serve to grow, and we grow when we serve. 
It's similar to the overweight individual who says that he's not fit enough to join a gym. That doesn't make sense. I'm not spiritual enough to serve. It is in joining the gym that will help him be fit. So it is in large measure with spiritual growth and service. It is in service that you will grow. Perhaps you're frustrated because you've been working on your spiritual growth and you're saying, well, I even need to pull out of service even more to focus more because I'm not growing. Maybe it's because you're pulling out that you're not growing. We need each other to encourage one another, to admonish one another, to rebuke one another. That's part of service, being intertwined, being committed, being involved with each other's lives and other people involved in you. And unlike that future gym rat who doesn't know which gym to pick or if he's doing the exercises right or if he's even at the right place, we can rest upon the promises and sovereignty of God that you are gifted and in His sovereignty you are in the right place right now. As the verse says, He has put you here or wherever you are, not by mistake or to be an observer, but as a Spirit-enabled participant. Nothing. Not selfishness, not envy, not self-deprecation, not laziness. Laziness. Nothing can improve on God's plan and design for the church and your service. So don't think that bowing out, no matter how graciously you do it, no matter how spiritually immature you think you are, helps the church. It does not help the church. And it doesn't help you. In the puzzle of this church, there is a missing hole that you only you will fit in. And you've had puzzles where you've lost a piece or two. It's frustrating. The picture's complete. You know it's a garden. You know it's the Statue of Liberty, but it just bothers you because there's a piece missing. Does it still function as a picture of the Statue of Liberty? Absolutely, but it is incomplete. You need that puzzle piece, and you can't get a puzzle piece from another puzzle or take off a corner from the Statue of Liberty's torch and put it there. None of it will fit. Only one piece fits, and that's how God has created the local church. If you're not serving, there is a missing hole where only you fit and you need to serve. God knows. God is sovereign. God knows how you feel about your spiritual growth. God knows your maturity level. That God knows what sins you're struggling with and what your doctrine is and what theology is and how many weeks you have not even touched your Bible. He knows that and He still wants you to serve. He wants you to serve. God has already shaped you in a way that you as that puzzle piece will fit perfectly. You don't have to try to reshape yourself in any way. He's already done it. And so I'm not mature enough to serve. I think it's a noble pursuit to want to work on your spiritual growth, but you have to understand that part of working on your spiritual growth is in service. Let's move to number four, verse 19. If they were all one member, where would the body be? Paul takes verse 17 and applies it to every Christian. The emphasis on diversity is clear. He's not really adding, thing, any, really adding anything new in 19 or 20, but summarizing the logic of this whole passage. But I believe this addresses another potential excuse for not service, not serving, and that is, well, I can't do what they're doing. I can't do what they're doing. 
Other variations are, I don't have what he has. Whether it's a gift of music or just extroversion, if that's a word. Another variation would be, well, someone else would be better to do this. Or quite simply, I don't like my spiritual gift. Ultimately, it is a belittling of one's gift and purpose in the church. Going back to the analogy of the human body, think of the worst but very common sudden cause of death. Strikes without warning. A heart attack. And ultimately, what causes this shutdown of the entire human body? The failure of one little unseen valve. Not an eye, not a hand, not a leg or something big and visible. Just a little valve. And the little valve doesn't want to work and the whole thing shuts down. Thankfully, I've never had a heart attack. I thought I did once. Called my friend who was in med school. I was driving. He said, well, you're driving, so you're not having a heart attack. He said, my patients who have had a heart attack said it feels like an elephant is sitting on your chest. Because of one little valve. We are all important. So it doesn't matter if, you know what, you can't do what I'm doing. Because I've been gifted in a different way than you've been gifted. Just like I can't do what you're doing, what she's doing, what he's doing, what they're doing. And so in a way, it is a valid statement. It's just not a reason not to serve. In fact, if anything, it's a motivation to serve. I can't do what he's doing, which is great because he's doing it, so I need to do what I'm supposed to do. What needs to be important to us is not any man-made criterion or opinion, including your own. What matters is what God thinks. And whether you're a powerful preacher or a closet prayer, you are God's masterpiece, fitted exactly where you need to be. We need to stop comparing ourselves to others, whether it's other people in this church or other people in other churches. Just be faithful and understand that you are made the way you are made in God's design and sovereignty. And so join us in the privilege and joy of serving. Fifthly and finally, Paul comes full circle and repeats what he said in verses 12 and verse 14 in verse 20. But now there are many members, but one body. Again, speaking of that theme we saw earlier, the subtitle of our sermon today and last week, Unity Through Diversity. There are many members, but one body. And I believe this addresses the common excuse, I just don't fit in. I don't fit in. Some variations may be, I don't get along with other people. I don't get along with the people at this church. I don't have anything in common with them. They're hard to talk to. You may be different in terms of personality, or you may be the only black person here. 
You may be the only person without a college degree. You may be the only person who isn't married. You may be the only married couple without children. Doesn't matter. Does not matter. As we saw last week, these social and even physical markers are not what matter. What matters is that we are all many members of the same body. I know fitting in and getting the courage to serve is hard for some. Were I not the pastor, I would find that very difficult. That may surprise some of you. Those of you who know me well, doesn't surprise you. I would find it very difficult to go into a church where I'm not known, where people don't expect me to preach and, and just start serving. I'm an introvert. By the way, you, you want to talk about supernatural enabling? Yes, I am an introvert. Up here, not so much. At your home, yes. But when you accept what the Holy Spirit has done in your life and pursue His will for your life, you will be blessed. You will be filled with joy. And I know sometimes we think the opposite is true. I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm going to make a fool of myself. Uh, I'm going to lose a lot of time. I'm going to go through emotional pain as I minister to these people. And some of those are true. But it is still considerate all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Because these trials, especially when they're not because of your sin, they're because of attitude and service for your holy God, God will use those. God will grow that. Any parent here would tell you, that though they disliked it at the time, they cherished looking back and seeing the difficulties, the tears, because they saw how you themselves, they were able to minister to their children and how their children grew out of that and how they were able to have conversations that they otherwise never would have had with their kids and their kids are better for it and hopefully eventually better Christians for it. Yes, life is messy. Life is painful, and it may get messier and more painful as the more you get involved. And the way you see it now when you're outside, you say, well, that's going to cost money. I'm going to have to buy them stuff, and I'm going to spend gas, and gas is notably very expensive right now. I'm going to have to drive to their home. I'm going to do this, and no more me time on my lunch break. I'm going to have to make calls. And when you're outside of it, it just seems like a huge burden. But when you're in it, and you're doing it with the right attitude, you're going to be blown away and frankly confused. Because you're going to say, this isn't like what it, I'm just happy. No, wait a minute, that's joy. That's joy. You are missing out. You are missing out on the joy of giving. You are missing out on the joy of sacrificing. You want to say, oh, how can I be more Christ-like? The most painful thing I can imagine, he says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they are doing. How could he do that? Because in the midst of sacrifice and serving, his focus was on the Father and his focus was on us. And that's what happens when you are so consumed with anything. This has happened to you when you've been so consumed at your work, with your children, with taking care of your ailing grandmother when, when you're so focused on your hobby on a Saturday morning. 
It's hard, you're sweating, you're getting sunburned, but you're just loving it. How much more when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and what God has supernaturally gifted you to do? Serve the church. Because no matter what you or society says, you are part of the body, you do belong. And yes, it may be hard to feel like you fit in. The reality is that you are already family. So sure, you may be the weird uncle, but you're still the uncle. You are already part of the family. There's nothing you can do to change that. You don't have to earn that, and you can't lose your relationship because you can't lose your salvation. If you are a Christian, you are part of the family, and you always will be. So if you're socially awkward or totally different, you are still one of us. You need to be serving. You say, well, I have a good reason, right? I don't fit in, and so I think I would hinder. I, I feel like I would, I'm not mature enough. And, and again, I appreciate your thinking in that, but you need to take it a step further and say, you know what, those are not biblical reasons. And you need to serve. We as a local church, a local body, we may be handicapped, like a body without a hand or without an eye. But here's the thing. We don't need to be because God has placed you here. It's not like someone who's hoping for a breakthrough in a medical procedure to get their vision back or hours of physical therapy to learn how to use their prosthetic leg or to search for a suitable donor for their organ, hoping. We're already here. If we are handicapped, it's not because we're looking for something. God has already provided all of the parts. It's just not all the parts are working, and it's because they're choosing not to work. And so I invite you, I invite you to do your part, to serve. Let's read the passage again. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members but one body. Five biblical responses to common reasons for not serving. I'm not really part of the church. I'm not needed. I'm not spiritual enough to serve. I can't do what they're doing. I don't fit in. And maybe you have a different reason. Maybe your reason isn't on this morning's list. Regardless, what we have seen today is clear. When it comes to not serving, whatever your excuse, there really is 
no excuse. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your wisdom and how you have created not only the body of Christ universally, but even as a local church. Thank you that we don't need to scramble to search, but we have what we need here. Though that may change as we grow, we, we know that you know even more perfectly than I or anyone else in leadership could even fathom what we need and what we are exactly. We're thankful that all the puzzle pieces, all the members of the body are here, and whatever reason they may have for not serving or even not attending, I pray that you would work in them so that they would be serving. Even those who are unable to attend, may you show them how they can serve from where they are and know, remind them, assure them that they are needed. Not in a guilty way, but in a privileged way, a joyful way, a blessed way. May we be a church where we are not just about a few people doing most of the work, but everyone doing everything. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.